Hi, and welcome to the She's All That video podcast. I'm September Smith, and this week I'm talking to Donna Smith-Bellinger, also known as Sales Manager On Demand. Donna Smith-Bellinger is the CEO of DS Bellinger Consulting, LLC, and she's the author of You Lost Me At Hello. Donna, welcome so much. Thank you for being here with me. Thank you, September. Such a joy. And so you lost me at Hello. That's your book that we can all mm -hmm. find on Amazon. What is that about? Uh, the subtitle is Actionable Principles That Move You Beyond Networking. And that's about becoming engaging and memorable when you're meeting people. Far too often, people take networking as speed dating. They run around, you know, business card bingo. That's how they count their successes. How many cards did you get? But it's not about that. It is about how memorable are you? Are they taking your calls? Are they scheduling meetings? Are you even talking to the right people? Okay. Yeah, so, so it's it's a fun and lighthearted book. And as your listeners listen to me today, they'll get a taste of my personality. And that's exactly what the book is like. Oh, my favorite kind of book that speaks in the authentic voice. I love that. So you're not known as a sales manager on demand for nothing. You have been in sales for over 40 years and you've stayed current with all the selling and the sales techniques over all these years. Tell us a bit about this journey in sales, Donna. Terrific. And thank you. So I started out in sales, actually in high school, I sold magazine subscriptions over the phone, but as an adult, I was a assistant school director and an assistant admissions director in vocational education or post-secondary education. I stayed in that for a decade or so. Then I shifted over into corporate where I got involved in both uh, conducting and selling training and uh, also selling big ticket tech solutions. Then I moved into co-founding my own tech firm and we specialized in data security. And uh, along the way, I got involved in diversity. I got involved in supply chain, a lot of committees. And now that I'm in my uh, middle earlies, I enjoy focusing on working with people who only eat what they kill. So business owners are perfect for me only eat what they kill. I love that. So that entire journey was just building your, your skills and your foundation on sales. Mm -hmm. Now, sales is something, usually when I start an interview, I'm really interested in delving into first, what is the solution that my guest experts solve? And yours is definitely sales. Uh, sometimes those problems are a little bit hard to understand. I think anybody that's in business will understand the challenges of selling. So why is selling such a challenge for most people? Is it psychological? Is it just because we lack a sales skill set? What's going on with that? There are a lot of uh, contributing factors to people who feel challenged at sales. Most of us who find ourselves in a sales situation never planned on it, didn't train for it, and probably don't even like it. See, there yeah. you go. Yeah. So that's fine. But if it is a necessary evil, and I will tell you that no matter who writes your check, you are in business for yourself and you need to own that. If you have a uh, position where someone else is, you know, the, the person who's signing the check, then your sales duties show up in that little footnote that says other duties as specified because you have to smile when the client comes in, you have to be customer service, 
And all of these are sales activities, but far too often people view a sales activity as the actual transaction. Mm. And sales is not exclusively the transaction. It's the conversation. It's the pre-qualification. It's a number of other things. And whether you are trying to sell someone on your particular widget, or if you are trying to sell the members of your team or other peoples in your firm on your value and your brilliance, they're still the same types of conversation. I think that's a psychological difference that most people aren't really consciously aware of because mm -hmm. convincing somebody of something for the team feels different than buy my product, buy my program. That feels more personal and therefore a little bit like some people say sleazy. Yeah. But you see in that instance, they are, they take a no personally. Mm -hmm. All right. And the first rule of sales is you don't take anything personally. And the second thing is, no, is not a bad thing. We hear more no's than we hear yeses. If you get a no, smile and just ask them, what would it have taken to make it a yes? What did I not explain? Just so I can get better at what I do. And when you do that and they tell you, that gives you an opportunity to course correct. If not with that person, then with the next. But you never take it personally. Is that is that the the crux of what is that the um, the problem that most of us have with sales is that we're we're taking it personally or are we missing some super sales skill sets? Okay, first of all, there's a fear. Um, particularly with men, it's a fear of failure. Uh, with women, it's a fear of oh, they don't like me, you know, and I want them to like me. It's different. It's different. It is absolutely different. Men already have their group of people that they like to hang out with. They've identified them and they've got them categorized as my golf buddies and my basketball buddies and, and, you know, my soccer dad or my girl dad buddies and, and, you know, the other things that they're interested in with women, because we're trained from ankle high to put everyone else in front of ourselves mm -hmm. and to serve them then everything is, do we like, you know, do they like us? If they say no, they must not like us. What's wrong with me? And mm. we internalize that. Wow. That sounds like a whole other layer of complication that women it's not have to a, get It's past. not a layer of, of complication. It's just, when I talk to my women and I hear them say certain things like, well, when I was in the meeting, I didn't feel like they stop. No. I don't want to hear about what you didn't feel like. Why? When's the last time you heard a man say so? Feel in a meeting. Really? So you're being girly. Get off of that. Okay. Anytime, male or female, you feel that you are not being heard, you have to revert to facts. Okay. Revert to facts. Not opinions, not emotions, facts. One of the first things that I challenge uh, my clients and my workshop participants in is I want you to name five facts about your business, five facts about your business. All right. So I don't want to hear about how it makes you feel mm -hmm. or anything like that. I want something irrefutable. Check the box. Tell me five facts. Mm. You know. so, how does that all align? Cause that sounds very basic, logical, you know, like basic psychology that we can fix. And as you say, you get better with every call that you make, every sales call that you're, you're on. Where does, where does the stigma come from? Is that related to that or is that a whole other issue? 
um, it goes back to years and years and years ago when people were doing sales and they were a bit sleazy and they were, uh, it, it was almost a game. How many people can I talk into doing this particular thing? It was this numbers crunchy thing. I had uh, a person um, that was in my office. I, I can't even call that person a friend because that person used to make me itch. But this individual would walk into the office, put his feet up on his desk and say, okay, let's see who we can call that we haven't screwed over yet. Oh, oh my but God. That is what some people think of when they think of a salesperson. Oh. They're thinking of a person who's going to talk them into something where they're going to have remorse for it later. That is no longer the buying habit of today's purchaser. Mm. And so that is not the way that we present an opportunity to be of service, which is the new vernacular that we use now in sales. It's not I'm trying to sell you something. It's that I'm trying to alleviate a pain and be of service to you, whether it's with a car and the service to you will be, do you need this car to be transportation? Is it connected to your image? Are you worried about safety? Let's see how I can serve you. Or whether it's something like you do, you know, with your programming. And it's like, what is the pain that you have or the challenge that you have? And I will be of service to you by minimizing or eliminating that challenge. Mm. Yeah, much cleaner field to that, but but also it's a better mindset for somebody who's doing the mm -hmm. selling themselves to come at it from that perspective. Absolutely. So the people who were um, more numbers driven, and there are still a lot of them, you know, if you've ever listened to Grant Cardone, you know, he's hard sell, that, 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 that. Mm -hmm. He's very, very challenging, very in your face. Then you've got groups like uh, Sandler or rain and at yeah. everything is, you know, this methodology and it's metrics driven. And, and then you've got people like me, hmm. sales manager on demand. What do I do? I want to find out exactly what's going on within your business, where you feel a disconnect, where that's related to sales. And then let's attack that particular challenge or obstacle. Oh, and, so it's and bridge everything together. It, what oh, I do is more sense. customized because I work with business owners mm -hmm. and owner operators. And I work with professionals, uh, like I said, who only eat what they kill. So for me to say I need you for six months to go through this particular thing is not helpful when they're trying to not get fired at the end of the quarter. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It's not helpful if they're going for a specific uh, goal trying to make the top 10, going for a promotion, uh, trying to get the team to join in and get behind them on a particular project. And in that uh, circumstance, and you and I have talked about the fact, that's when I have to get into truly their communication style and yes. the styles of the people that they're talking to. I have to say, when you brought that up uh, the first time we were speaking, and uh, because in my experience, Sales coaches that, that I'm familiar with only have ever said, you know, this is the sales model that works, emulate it. And it came up in our conversation. You were, you said, well, no, that that's an emotional sales approach where you, you're more of a linear thinker and communicator. So a linear is what? There's different kinds of approaches. <laughs> you blew my mind. Tell me a little bit about that. Okay. So you are a linear thinker because of your, your background you know, your engineering background. And so you love processes. Mm. Okay. I'm a little bit more visual and, and I'm always like, okay, imagine if, what if, 
Hmm. And that's, that's where I'm at. And then there are others that their sweet spot is connecting people. You know, they don't necessarily want to do the work. They just want to build a better mousetrap by connecting this person with that person and sitting back and, and keeping those pieces running well together. Uh, you've got people who, my favorite, people who support other people, but they don't necessarily verbalize their observations. And those are the ones that will sit in a meeting and go, oh, I knew that wasn't going to work. Well, how did you know that wasn't going to work? Well, because he didn't do this, she didn't do that. This one was working cross purposes of that person. And you didn't tell anybody why? Well, you didn't ask me. How do we play with all of these characters, these avatars? I guess we have to figure out who we are and then mm -hmm. figure how that works within the way we approach sales? Well, I have an assessment that I use. Most people do a strength finders or a disc and they know if they're an introvert or an extrovert and, and you know, the very basics. What I do is take a look at where you are in your entrepreneurial mindset, what it is you really like to do, because we fall into two basic categories. We have natural tendencies and then we have learned behavior. So when it comes to things like accounting and tech and things like that, yes, I have brilliance and I have studied them. Shoot me in the foot. I don't ever want to do that stuff again. <laughs> okay. okay. So can I? Yes. Do I want to? No. So I know that those are the people that I need to bring in on my team to help me become a better rounded business and business person. But it also means that I need to learn how they process information so that when I make a request, they know what the hell I'm talking about. Now, does that also work with when you understand that mindset? Does that work when you're having a sales conversation with somebody 150%. that you've identified? Okay. Yes. Yes. Uh, a dear friend of mine and I had a conversation and he wanted to retire and he says, but I can't get my team to do what I want them to do. And I said, tell me what some of the challenges are. And as he went through that, I said, I can tell you exactly what's going on. You're hiring people that you like. You're not hiring people into their roles. Okay. And so the things that you like to do, they like to do. That's why you connected. But the stuff that you have no interest in, you don't know how to communicate with those people. His tech guy was a big oh. thorn in his side oh. because he wasn't able to get this person to understand what his desired outcomes were. Of course, he didn't believe me and I was okay. So I did the assessment for his team of 25 and I was able to show him what I'd already told him, nobody in his team liked to sell. They were all experts in their specific categories, yep. but he kind of spread sales across uniformly across everybody's. Just hoping maybe somebody could contribute something worthwhile in the sales category. And when I got ready to um, do some training for them and I asked them to bring me the cards or the contacts that they needed to work with, people had to go under their calendars. They had to go under their keyboards. They had to go out to their car. And I said, why are the cards in your car? She said, well, we're required to make X number of phone calls every week. And if I forget, then I make them while I'm driving home. I'm like, and you wonder why you don't close. Ooh. Okay. So... Sales mentality and sales process within the team and who you're choosing. Mm -hmm. Wow. But Yikes. it's fun. Oh, it is so much fun. And when I'm working with my clients now, 
Uh, I have a mechanical engineer that I'm working with. And in the first year we worked together, we were able to raise her visibility in the company such that her salary went up by 30%. So sales just isn't for the entrepreneur or the business person who's looking to move some of the products. Sales is also a leadership function. Okay. It is definitely a leadership function. Any of your people who do speaking know that when they craft their talks, they have to hit every metric in the audience. Mm -hmm. They have to hit all of them and they have to shift what they're saying. So they get everybody you want to see. Yes, we connect it. It won't be a hundred percent all the time, but you can keep everybody in the room. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and that's a skill. Oh, wow. Well, speaking of skills and some of these skills that you're talking about in the sales realm, I've heard of, but there are some things that, that you talk about in your content that I am not familiar with. And one of the things was unconscious bias in purchasing. Mm-hmm. Now, what is that? And what uh, we as people who hope to be selling, selling better, how do we play with that? Unconscious bias is, is not, I know a lot of people, uh, it's overused now because of diversity issues, but it's not about that. Okay. Okay. It's, it's that in the back of your mind, this, I feel, I know to be true. So for instance, uh, there was a point in time where if you were talking tech, the unconscious bias is the only thing that you wanted to do was shop IBM. Why? Because the perception was IBM was the best and everything else was just coming along back in the day. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, you have unconscious bias regarding a variety of brands. So sometimes when you are going in and you're making uh, a presentation or you're engaging in a sales conversation, there's a tendency for the person you're speaking with to have an unconscious bias towards a name or okay. a brand. Mm-hmm. All right. Then there's, uh, of course, the gender um, unconscious biases. You have men who feel that women are not quite as qualified or feel that they don't connect with them as fully. And that shows up in introductions and referrals. For instance, you have two guys who are CPAs, um, two women who are a man and a woman who are CPAs, Mm -hmm. both been in business the same amount of time, both have offices. And the woman may even have more accolades than the man. But if the man only knows her as the soccer mom, then he'll say, oh, you need an accountant? Well, I got so-and-so, he and I play basketball every single week. Or there's a woman whose son plays soccer with my kid, and I think she does something in accounting. Oh. Right, because they don't create the relationship. And sales starts with the relationships, which is why I wrote You Lost Me at Hello. You know, Patricia Fripp once said, it is not the other person's responsibility to remember you. It is your obligation to make yourself memorable. And many of us don't take the time to do that. And that's how you shift perceptions. And that's how you deal with unconscious bias. And believe me, 30 years ago, when I was in tech and and other areas, my gender, this face, yeah, I was that that strange surprise that walked into a room, or as one guy once told me, you must be really good at what you do because they did not hire you for your looks. So those are examples of some of the biases. You know, it happens. Okay, could he get sued for that now? Of course. Back then, no. Did that throw you off your sales game? 
for a couple of hours. For a couple of hours. We were in a management meeting. I was the only woman. I was the youngest and I was the only person of color. And I was in Oklahoma. So it was just like, and it was 30 years ago. So eh, it kind of threw me off a bit. But I went back and I told my team, I had a team of cowboys that were running. Yeah, I was running an office in Kansas. And when I told my guys what he said, they stayed in late to make sure that we beat that guy's button numbers every single time. Why? Because I knew it was important to them. And I had built a team. And we functioned as a team. If anybody began to falter, we all jumped in. And that's why I say sales conversations are key in leadership. Now, you you had mentioned um, around the issue of the unconscious bias that um, sometimes as that person doing the selling, when you come to the conversation, if you perceive that unconscious bias, like, oh, I'm a woman, so they don't think that I'm this or that, that you immediately know, okay, they're speaking from... From this kind of a, a mindset or that kind of a mindset. So you and have to then counter that or meet that. You meet it. But the, the most important thing is to uh, key in on the solution and also be very aware of what their ego is. Because frequently when I run into somebody who has an unconscious bias, there's a certain amount of insecurity and fear in there. There just is. And it's like, okay, fine. I know what to do. I need to alleviate the fear. And I also need to hone in with the facts of what I'm able to do to make this person look brilliant for choosing to work with me. And so in those instances, it will be, okay, I used to call my clients and said, hey, it's Donna. What can I do today to make you look good? And they would laugh and they'd be like, what are you up to? It's okay. I've called you 18 times this week. So let me just, you know, (laughs) because I've worked for companies like that, 100 phone calls a day. Oh my Lord, to get the business? We had a hundred clients. We had to call a hundred outbound calls every single day and they were monitored. So if you didn't have a list, if you didn't have a good list, you were going to be calling those same people, you know, and that was the churn and burn type of a mentality. Oh, wow. So does that still kind of stand like, uh, one of the questions I wanted to ask you is, of course, things have changed over over the 40 years that you've been building your, your expertise in sales. A lot of the people that are in business right now came of age after the internet was, was a thing. It was just part of the infrastructure. Mm-hmm. Now, that has changed some selling, but are we missing something? Do you see, ah they're thinking they can just do this, this, and this, like from your wealth of experience, what are we missing when we're coming at it just from that internet perspective? Well, you know, that's fun for me because I'm also an adjunct and I also sit on a uh, college board of advisors and I am always joking about what's not in the books. All right. And when I am teaching and when I'm designing curriculum, I always bring in that communications piece You know, one of my talks is why doesn't anybody understand me how to communicate across gender, generation and geography, because there comes a point in time that you have to take the conversation offline and you have to deal with the human entity and people who are just totally into the online part sometimes are not comfortable IRL in in real life. They're just not comfortable with that. And that's one of the things that I work with my students on. 
is you know, I used to ding them. I said, if you give me your report and you end it with, yeah, I'm taking off a half a point because yeah, it's not punctuation. <laughs> like there's their spoken presentation. People would yeah. end it with, yeah. Yeah. They, 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 they land, you know, like they stick the landing or whatever they do their, their presentation. And then they're like, okay, I have to get off of the stage. Yeah. <laughs> And it wasn't gender specific. I got it from okay. the guys. I got it from the gals. It was it was not gender specific, but um, there is a need to be able to speak the language and in the style of the person whose um, respect you're trying to garner, and and that is something that's not necessarily taught in books mm-hmm. because you have to be out there. And realizing how these things are changing. Mm. You know, I had one um, networking event that I attended where the guy said, hey, they sent me to this all woman event. And I don't know what they thought I was supposed to be able to do. And I mean, it wasn't a guy in the room. And I said, now you know what it feels like to be the only in a room, whether you're the oldest, the youngest, the person of color, uh, the gay, straight, whatever, you know, Mm. now you know what it's like to be the only. How did that feel? And how did you navigate that? Did you stand by the wall and wait to be discovered? Or did you take that opportunity to be the most memorable person in the room? Uh, I would think if you were the only guy in a room filled with women in your field, you, you're, there's an advantage to that. Not everyone sees it like that. You know, I can walk into a room and be the only person of color and I'm having the best time in the world, you know? Um, but I've, I've seen other people be the only, whatever it happens to be, the only disabled, the only whatever, and they sit back and wait for someone to discover them because they're different. So basically, leverage it. Parlay oh, yeah. that into what you needed to be. The easiest way to work a room is from the center. Be the sponsor, be the speaker, you know, be yeah. in those, be the coordinator, you know, be yeah. the center. Yeah. So speaking of center, there's another, yet another phrase that I uh, came across in the material that we shared. And it was so fascinating to me when you said that your goal is to help your clients learn how to create their own economy, yes, regardless of the brand they currently choose to represent. Mm-hmm. I didn't know exactly what you were talking about, create your own economy, but that sounds really powerful. And I want to know what you're talking about and possibly learn how to do it. If you are completely confident in your abilities. I'm spritzing. I'm looking at this. I'm looking at me on the camera and I'm like, oh, I'm spritzing. Uh, Anyway, what it means is that no matter where you're dropped, you will be able to identify what the opportunities are and you will be able to leverage your communications and sales ability or whatever it happens to be, your service provider abilities. And you will be able to essentially make lemonade out of lemons. It just doesn't matter. Um, I raised two children as a single parent. And I will tell you, there were times that I had to go out and take a, a second job for, you know, specific purposes. Like when my daughter told me at the last minute that she wanted to go to Paris with her people, her classmates. And I'm like, really? And you need the money when? <laughs> Tomorrow. <laughs> And, and so, you know, you, you go and you do something that you know you can do without any effort. Ah, okay. So that is creating that. your own economy. 
you can do anything to keep, you can keep your lights on if you master these basic skills. It doesn't matter where you're at. If you speak the language, if you understand the culture, whatever it is, if you learn how to listen properly to what the needs are, then you will be able to create a conversation to fill those needs. Trust me, it works. So and at that, it means that you are not at the mercy of other people. I learned how not to let anyone have complete control over my economy. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. If that is something that you're teaching people, I think people should definitely be going to you, especially in the last year and a half. There have been a mm -hmm. lot of people whose economic situations have changed. Mm -hmm. so, okay. Got it. Now, one very easy to understand term when it comes to sales is the whole thing of objections. I mean, we all know about objections. Oh, I can't. Oh, I have to speak to my wife first, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. But you said that the whole, the very important thing here is not overcoming objections. No. It's avoiding objections. Absolutely. How do we do that? That comes through pre-qualification. And pre-qualification is a very vital part of the sales process. But if you don't, and I'm not talking about where they pick up a little checklist and they start going through, okay, so, you know, what is the model and what is the make and da, da, da. No, that's not what I'm talking about. It's when you have a conversation with someone and they begin to uh, explain to them a challenge, explain to you a challenge that they have. And you're like, oh, how long have you had that problem? Okay, well, what have you done so far to address that? Now, that's where you start to find out some interesting things. You can ask them things like, okay, so if you haven't invested any money in this, what have you tried? I take, I, I've read the books, I've watched the podcast. I do, okay, but are you going to spend any money on this? Well, I don't know yet. Well, what is it costing you not to fix this? What is it costing you not to fix this? What is it costing you not to, and, and depending upon what you're offering, that is like, is it costing you in your health? Is it costing you in your relationships? Is it costing you on your job and your job performance? How much are you spending on Dr. Copays or prescriptions by not taking care of your health? You know, these types of questions. And from that, you will be able to understand if this is a person who's willing to invest in something or somebody who's just perfectly happy griping about it indefinitely. Uh, okay. And if they are not willing to invest you know, you're not even going to present the opportunity to work with you. You mm -hmm. may tell them what you do so they can present it to other people, but you are not going to be attached to having them say yes. And if they say, oh no, I'm really, you know, I'm willing to, I've thrown money at this thing before. Oh, really? What have you tried? Now you want to find out where they invested because you don't want to present something that they've already tried and were not successful at. Even if you have a similar um, even if you have a similar solution, mm -hmm. you don't want to present it in a way that they recognize that. Oh, That's that didn't when work. you shift over into stories. Okay. That's when you shift over into, you know, like I said, let me tell you a bedtime story. Once upon a time, I had a client who had a similar type of a situation. And over the course of three months, six months, whatever your cycle is for delivering what you deliver, we were able to accomplish one, two, three. Is that the kind of success you're looking for in this particular problem? 
because the objective to avoiding that type of a thing, and again, you're going to go through the, the prerequisites, who helps you to make your decisions, you know, all of those kinds of things. Uh, but the objective is to have them lean in and either say, okay, so what's the next step? How do we work on this? You know, or they say, you know what, this doesn't work for me, but I have a friend who really needs to meet you. So it's either they lean in and ask, how can we work together? Or they say, I have someone that I want you to meet. And that way, you know, you've communicated your facts. You've communicated your value. You are not pushy or sleazy. None of those things. Yeah. You're not attached to the outcome. You know, so it's not about, oh, do they like me? That's mm -hmm. not where you're at. And I call that uh, refusal avoidance. And, and one of the things that I did in research projects and for the census and all of that, I was a uh, refusal converter. Oh. That, that was part of my little side gigs, you know, when you have to get something and, you know, like send somebody to Paris. Uh, <laughs> you do something that you can do in your sleep. I can do that stuff in my sleep because refusal I'll listen converter. to them. Refusal conversion. Okay, I get it. You don't want to answer the questions? No. What is the feeling that, that has you come to that conclusion? Well, because so-and-so, and so-and-so, and so-and-so. So what did you think it was going to do for you? Da-da-da-da-da-da. Ah, and what did, what did you really get out of it? Now I'm getting all of my answers, but I'm not reading that stupid script because it's, it's conversational. And you must be in a situation where you totally understand what is most important to the person you are addressing. Yeah. It's not about you putting another notch in your belt. All right. And in my business, when I talk about my business, I say that the work that I do has to affect more than the bottom line because it's not the transaction, it's the testimony. One good testimony, one good recommendation, you know, those are the things I, I've trademarked the term yestimonial. And that's what I call the recommendations that I get. That's what sells because I love us, but we're sheep. We follow. So if we can read the story of someone else that we connect with, and yes, that's what I'm looking for, then that's, bah, we're going to go right on, you know, yeah. with the herd on that particular thing. So that's refusal aversion. So everything that I'm hearing, it just speaks to me, not, not just the decades of experience, but also a deep psychological understanding and approach to this whole process, like overall, but also spontaneously in the moment in during conversation with anyone you're applying these principles. Can any of us who hope to improve our sales skills, do we have any hope of, of even approximating that level of, of accomplishment with, the, with this psychological approach to sales? It's so easy. It is so easy. It does not take months and months to understand. It's creating the habit. And um, I will tell you that when you are able to uh, couple that with your desired outcome, it doesn't seem like work. It doesn't seem like it's strategy. You will be able to determine how to get yes, you know, or you'll be able to determine when to agree to disagree, you know. And, and so it's not about making someone else wrong in order for you to be right. Mm. I 
really, you know, get upset with people who feel that they have to beat you into the ground in order to lift you up. That's not your role. You're not the creator. You Mm -hmm. also need to remember that every problem is not yours to fix. It's okay to walk away from a transaction that doesn't feel comfortable to you Mm -hmm. because you want to be able to look at the phone when that, or the email, when that person reaches out and smile, you know, and say, yes, this is, this is somebody that I I know I'm going to have a really good conversation with. So you can, you said it doesn't take months and months and months. You can teach people this. How, how do you do that? How do you teach these people? Well, do you have programs or do you do it individually or a mix of the two? I do it all. So sales manager on demand. Okay. If you want to work with me individually, what I do just to keep it simple is uh, you buy a bunch of hours from me and we use them as you need them. So if you have a project, we work on it. If you need fundamentals, we work on it. In September, I'm also going to be launching some online courses to give people an opportunity to understand, you know, some of these things. Mm -hmm. I thought about doing the assessment that way, but I prefer to do the assessment in person because I like to be able to see where there's a disconnect. That's just the way I am. Yeah. Um, A lot of people, you know, could I record it and give it to you? Yeah. It wouldn't be the same. Yeah, there's that back and so forth. And the- I work as sales manager on demand. I do corporate training. And then I also do uh, groups periodically. I do gotcha. do groups. So I believe you've shared all those links with me. I will be dropping them in the notes, both for the video and for the podcast. So people can reach out to you and find out more about how you can, how they can be working with you. Yeah, find me on LinkedIn. Oh, that's incredible. This this whole conversation has just been kind of a little bit awe-inspiring and just overall giving me so much food for thought, as it should anybody else who's listening. Um, are there any last words you would want to leave people with vis-a-vis the psychology of sales and or what you want them to remember? Something that I adopted a long time ago, I happened to be an Eleanor Roosevelt fan. She had some of the best sound bites. Um, you know, Oprah has a lot of good ones too, but Eleanor Roosevelt once said, never allow anyone to tell you no, who does not also have the power to tell you yes. And in sales in particular, that is so key. All right. The receptionist says, no, we're not interested. Honey, you don't sign a check. No, I need to talk to God. You cannot help me. (laughs) I just need to talk to the person who has the authority to make a no, a no, or a yes, a yes. So what and, is it? And Never so it's allow a person. person to tell you no, who doesn't have the power to say yes. I love that. Donna Smith Bellinger, thank you so much for being with me today and sharing, which is obviously just the smallest amount of your expertise in sales with us. Thank you so much. September, thank you so much. You were such a joy. Talk to you soon. Yes. Bye. Bye. Did you know that podcast guesting, being the featured guest interviewed on podcasts, is one of the hottest 2021 ways to build brand, audience, and your business, to get your unique message and personality out there to those who need to hear it. As a podcaster myself and a business consultant, I help turn entrepreneurs into business people who can proficiently and profitably use podcast guesting as a powerful part of their marketing plan. Want to know more? You can download the five-step guide below in the notes, or if you really want to get moving on it, book a call. And let's map out how we could make it part of your marketing plan.